Welcome to the University of Young Entrepreneurs. My name is Brandon Adams, lifestyle entrepreneur and inventor, passionate about helping others with creating something great and becoming unforgettable. Each week we discuss helpful tips on becoming a successful entrepreneur and interview other entrepreneurs and inspirational people. Our goal is to help take your business and lifestyle to the next level. Now let's get started. Welcome back to the University of Young Entrepreneurs. I'm Brandon T. Adams, and on today's show, we have a special guest. I've been saving this interview for a while now. We did this back at Entree Fest in May, but I wanted to save this for 4th of July week because of the company he has. Aristotle Loomis is the founder of Ellison Eyewear, a top brand eyewear company based out of Iowa City. Uh, Aristotle is from Chicago. And he's developed these glasses to something great. I I have a pair myself. They are awesome. And at the end of the show, you're actually going to have an opportunity to get an exclusive offer to these glasses, which Aristotle did just for the listeners here. They're awesome. I really would highly suggest checking them out. You're going to hear the full story of the eyewear industry and how it runs and how Aristotle has developed his brand into something that is so magnificent so authentic that it's it's unexplainable so in today's show you're going to learn about how Aristotle started out where it led him to get into the eye industry you're going to hear the ups and downs that he's had developing his company this is a true entrepreneur story you get to hear the things that went wrong what went right and how it led him to the great company he is today you're going to hear his top lessons learned You're going to hear about an event that Aristotle was invited to where celebrities like Mario Lopez, The Fray, and even Kelly Clarkson were wearing his glasses, wearing the Ellison Eyewear brand. Pretty awesome experience for him. There's a lot of great stuff in today's show. I highly suggest listening all the way through. I don't know if you're traveling for 4th of July week, wherever you are, this is a show you're not going to want to miss. And afterwards... This opportunity, you're not going to let pass you by because these glasses are awesome. Not a better time to get them. It's 4th of July weekend. It's sunny out and you want to look good in your shades. I sure do in the ones that I bought. Before we get started, I just want to mention to you guys about my website, BrandonTAdams.com. I have a lot of stuff coming up. I'm going to be traveling, doing my media tour across the country. I air on TV weekly for the next eight weeks. I'm booked out. I'm going to be talking about crowdfunding, and I'll be promoting my new book that's actually coming out here in the next week called Keys to the Crowd, Unlocking the Power of Crowdfunding. I've developed this over the last three years, all of this knowledge and about crowdfunding. I've done my own crowdfunding campaign. I've studied the best in the industry, and I put it all in a book for you. So you'll get access to this book here in the next week or so. I'll have things posted on my notes. You're going to want to check that out. Subscribe to University of Young Entrepreneurs today. By doing that, you automatically get my tips to create a successful crowdfunding campaign and an exclusive audio that teaches you how to create a successful campaign. And then each week you get updates and you actually get free content that helps you in your life, whether you're an entrepreneur you're an athlete, whoever you are, just somebody wanting to create great things in life because that is what my show is all about. So check that out, BrandonTAdams.com, and check out all the great stuff that's going on there. So, And now I'm excited to get into this show. We're going to have a lot of fun. 
Let's jump into it and hear Aristotle's story of how he built the top brand in the country, Ellison Eyewear. Let's get started. Welcome back to the University of Young Entrepreneurs. I'm Brennan Adams, and on today's show, we have Aristotle Loomis. Aristotle, how you doing, my man? I'm doing well, man. It's uh, uh, You got us. Uh, we're doing a special one today during EntreFest, so you know you know how it is, man. We've been running around all day, but <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm excited. It, it, it's, it's awesome here because, for one, we're at EntreFest in mm-hmm. Iowa City, a big event. They sold out, 1,000 people, and two, we are in up actually on the club level of Sheraton. I don't know if we're supposed to do this, but we're taking up the room, doing a podcast show, and making our own little set here. So it's a lot of fun, and what is it, 11 o'clock midnight? Yeah, you know, <laughs> he, he got me. We were all in the spirits, and we're like, hey, why not? We've been talking about it for a little bit, so we took yeah. advantage of the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, I've uh, been following you, and we met here a year ago, and uh been excited. Oh, at, at EntreFest. Yeah, we met at cool. EntreFest and met a lot of other people. And uh, I've been excited to get you on the show for you to tell your story about everything you've been doing because you're honestly, you're just like me and we're young entrepreneurs that are going after our dreams and people out there, our audience can learn from us and be able to follow their own dreams and go with whatever they want to do in life. So let's start off, Aristotle. I want to hear about where you got started as a kid, a young entrepreneur and how it kind of led up to where you went to launching your own company with Ellison Eyewear. Yeah, and that's a that's a great start. I think entrepreneurs are, it's not uh, something that you just wake up and decide to do. It's something that you're born with. Um, so I guess going back to my story, I come from a single mother, uh, seven brothers and one sister, so a total of eight siblings. Wow. Um, and uh, <laughs> grew up in Chicago, um, all over from the inner city to the outskirts. Um, and it's funny because when you grow up with that many brothers and a single mother, you know, you always figure out a way to help contribute to, uh, you know, support the family, even at a young age. Uh, so me and my brothers always found creative ways to make some money and help out, uh, you know, when you have that much, uh, manpower, you know, in the, in the winter times you're shoveling snow and in the fall you're raking leaves and in the summer you're uh, doing lawn work. Um, so exactly. yeah, so you're always, you're always finding creative ways. So I knew growing up, it was, uh, I've always had this, this work spirit to this hard work attitude. You know, we always, we were, we were born with that, um, tireless kind of, uh, work ethic, if you will. Um, and it's actually funny. One of my first enterprises was the neighborhood pooper scooper. <laughs> and what I, what I used to do is I used to go around, uh, cause we were kind of more in the lower, uh, income areas, if you will. And we would go to like the richer, more wealthier areas and, yeah. and I would knock on their doors and uh, I knew that there was a need and a lot of the need was that people didn't like picking up their dog poop. And uh, so I would go and I would charge $7 for each of the the lawns that I would do it. And then I actually got into the cat litter business and I would charge $5 to go in there and do their cat litter. And at one point I was actually doing um, $400 in sales a, a week. Pick- from picking up the pooper scooper, yeah, pooper scooper, yeah, and uh, <laughs> I should tell you what my brothers did. My brother, actually, little brother, was uh, he was he started when at a real young age when I was doing the pooper scooper. He was like seven, and yeah. his responsibility was was uh, was um, uh, what is it called? Uh, 
refilling the toilet paper, right? And, yeah, in the house, exactly. in our extra house, because we, we teach them that the household chores, and then when they get good enough and skill set, then when they turn 10, they could get a real job outside, like picking up poop. But his, uh, <laughs> he, uh, he, at seven years old, his model was, when you run out, I run out, right? So he'd go exactly. and, and go get a new roll of toilet paper, and we learned young. But um, yeah, at one point, I was bringing $400 a month, uh, I'm sorry, a week. Actually, I wish I had that job That's now. That's pretty good though, <laughs> I wish at I, that age. I, I, mean. I wish I had that job now. Yeah. Uh, uh, but it wasn't until, so I guess you could say I have always been an entrepreneur, but it wasn't until I met my father at 18 years old in Greece. Um, uh, he's an entrepreneur himself. And after being exposed to everything in Greece, and, and it was one of the first things my father said to me. He said, Aristotle, um, in life all you need is one person to believe in you, and I believe in you. So at 18 years old, uh, that's when I really knew and met my father. That's when I knew I wanted to become an entrepreneur. Uh, but I didn't know exactly what. Uh, so, um, yeah, so that's kind of like how it started. Yeah. You know, I was ingrained. It worked my whole life. Uh, when, he, when he said that to you, I mean, did that kind of stick with you for yeah, life? Yeah. Made I mean, you think, I think about that for whatever you do? 18 was a great year. Um, it was a great year for so many reasons. Uh, impactful year, I guess you could say. It really changed the trajectory of my life. Yeah. Uh, when you get as a man, I'm sure. I, and I learned how to be a man from a woman, so I learned so much of from my mother. But when you when you meet your father and he is what you always kind of believed you always were, like yeah. an entrepreneur, and this, and you see it, and it's like your dad, and you you know you freak out a little bit. And the first thing he says to you, one of the first things, and literally, you know, we went from the airport, had dinner that day, so it was literally. You know, straight up, you got to talk to him. You know, I had my kind of five minutes one on one with him, and you know, he 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 kind of um, put that powerful saying in it, and it really just it really did change the trajectory of my life um, and what I wanted to do and and everything that we did. So, um, yeah, started young, started young. So, did you live in Greece for a while then? No, we didn't. I I grew up in Chicago. My family, yeah. my fa- my father's from Greece originally. My mother's from Chicago. But you well, s- did you spend some time there? No. no. Well, when we were babies, when we okay. were before my mother and my mom had split because they split when I was a very young age, yeah. and my father went back to Greece. Uh, my mother's one hundred percent Greek. My father's one hundred percent Greek. Uh, very. My mother was the first generation. Her parents immigrated to uh, America. Yeah. My father's still in Greece. Um, so very very deep Greek roots. Um, my grandmother, my yam papu, my grandmother, uh, father, still speak the language. They, yeah. You know. So there was a, a lot of Greek influence growing up. Um, but, you know, may, when we were babies, uh, but majority of my upbringing was in, in Chicago. So what led you to come to Iowa for school? It's a great question. A lot of people asking that, especially my family. <laughs> yeah. I mean, out of all places, you come to Iowa. Iowa. Well, you know what? Um, you know, growing up in a big city, you know, a lot of people might, you know, they always say the, the country people want to go to, the country people want to go to the big city and the big city people want to maybe go to the country. And I guess I was one of those people. Uh, you know, I came to Iowa. I was pre-dentistry at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, so I always want to go down a dental path. And growing up so untraditionally, I kind of want to do just something American. I just wanted to kind of engulf myself and do just get a good college experience. I went to a uh, small Christian college when I was 16 years old. Um, and I just, uh, the whole idea of a big 10 or just a big university and the opportunity to meet so many different people, it just always attracted me. Yeah. Um, and uh, football, you know. <laughs> a, yeah. Oh, I, used to play I love co- Iowa Hawkeyes, uh, my man. To, I used to play college football. Uh, really? A, a little bit, yeah. I was not good, but I played. <laughs> what, what position? I was, a, I was a strong safety. Nice, uh, uh, nice. I had to figure out, I had to figure out a way to, uh, pay for college at the Christian college so I ended up uh, 
you know, uh, trying out for the team, making it, and then they, I was uh, what you call a punchy bag on the field. That's all right. So, uh, two years of that, uh, you know, I turned 18 years old, and um, I visited Iowa a bunch of times. It's a great medical program here, uh, dental. It um, is, yes. And uh, came here. The football was, you know, they were doing excellent. Um, I wish I could say the same for right now, but it's all right. Uh, and uh, I just fell in love with the town, the city, the humbleness. You know, yeah. it was three. I'm a family guy, so it was three hours away from Chicago uh, by drive. You could take a bus there. You know, anywhere, any other big school uh, in the surround, surrounding the Illinois states, um, they're just too far, and it's pretty hard to get there. So Iowa was, at the time, it had everything I wanted. I came here, I fell in love, and. Um, and uh, I guess, you know, I'm still here. So I guess I, 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 I never lost the love. You know, there's, it's an amazing thing with Iowa because people, when we travel, when I travel the country, and people, when you say you're from Iowa, it's something about Iowa that kind of people, the work ethic, and everything that we stand for, it's amazing. And it, it actually is like a perk on your resume, I believe. Yeah, Iowa has, you know, it's changed me for the better. Um, it just the people here. It's just enough work ethic. It's just enough humbleness. It's just the yeah. perfect mixture of. Um, it's just what you would expect from a true Midwesterner. You know, exactly. I mean, it's like the epitome, and it's all American, middle of the country. I mean, it's uh, it has really has a lot of amazing qualities to it, and uh, you know, really being here for quite some time. And now I lived in Chicago. Yeah. I traveled to Europe quite a bit. Um, I really fell in love with what Iowa has to offer. And especially when you're starting a company, it's all about the community. And um, it's just been, it, it, and that's what I really loved about this and the place. the support here is great. Mm-hmm. I, I, absolutely, right? So it's, it's, uh, it's, been, it's been really, you know, maybe I can't speak for everybody, but it's just been yeah. amazing. It's been amazing, uh, amazing to me. So you went to Iowa and you got in the dentistry program. What, what even led you to do that? Yeah, so I was, I was pre-dentistry in my, the old university, TIU. Uh, I was playing football there, and then I wanted to go to the bigger school, so naturally I thought Iowa, visited, loved it. So I, then I got uh, admittance to um, kind of accelerator program for the pre-dental program, so I was not in dental school yet. I was still an undergraduate. Um, and uh, I don't know. My mother was a doctor, um, you know, or she she was a previously a doctor that had eight kids, and you can't be a practicing doctor then. But um, I always just fell in love with, um, you know, the medicine side of things, helping people. Uh, you know, I was uh, I was a volunteer at hospitals growing up. I was uh, I was a dental assistant when I was 14 years old. So yeah. I've always been around medicine um, and, and kind of the hospital setting and whatnot. So naturally, and I liked working with my hands and being with people. So kind of looking at medicine in the medical field, um, what I was really attracted about dentistry was just working with my hands and just talking to people. The hospital yeah. setting kind of depresses me a little bit, uh, but. I don't know. A lot of people say they don't like the dentist, but I always had a good experience, so yeah. I enjoyed. The, I enjoyed the dentist. So, what made you jump? Because you went to dentistry school, and you got to was it your senior year? Uh yeah. So senior year. Senior year, and you dropped out, and you pursued yeah, your so, company of selling glasses. Yes, yeah. So, um, like I said, two, three years before that, I met my father. Came back the same year I went to. Uh, my father is the same year I went to Iowa. So I came starting right off the gate. I came into Iowa with a fresh new attitude. Kind of, I knew I was going to do dentistry. Um, I, I pursued that, uh, but you know, three years into it, then I kind of deviated halfway through and started taking more business courses because I really, you know, 
I, something was gravitating, uh, was pulling me away from the dental career. Yeah. And then until and it was until senior year when um, a friend of mine approached me with the idea. It was uh, it was an organization providing um, sight saving surgeries. Yes. Um, and he told me a little bit more of that organization. And after looking at that organization and what they were doing, uh, they were giving sight saving surgeries for twenty dollars. Oh, wow. Uh, and that really resonated with me well because, you know, there's organizations out there that, you know, you could give someone a shirt, a meal for the day. And I, I just felt that that was a Band-Aid effect. But giving someone their eyesight back, um, especially at that cost, uh, you're giving someone the opportunity to be working members of their household, thus working members of the communities. Thus, when you're you're not solving only a personal problem, you're solving an economic problem. Um, and it, like I said, it's always resonated with me now, and I wanted to be more involved in this. And this was about two to three years after Tom's was starting, or maybe Tom's shoes was like two years old. Yes. So we, um, so this one from one model was really interesting. Uh, so we looked into the eyewear industry, and I made a shocking discovery. And uh, and what I discovered is that the eyewear industry is actually one of the largest eyewear, you know, uh, uh, I'm sorry, one of the lo- largest unknown monopolies in the world. And what I mean by that is this one, these two main companies, the Exotica and Safilo, what they do is they own the rights and licensing to some of the biggest brands such as Ray-Ban, Oakley, Chanel, Prada, and so forth. Yeah. And what they do is that they pay the rights and licensing to these smaller brands and basically mass produce it and artificially inflate it 10 to 20 percent, I'm sorry, 10 to 20 times more than it costs to manufacture and then sell it to consumers, right? And not only do they own the rights and licensing to all these brands, but they also own the distribution outlets. So they own, they own Four Eyes, Pearl Vision, um, Sunglass Hut, so on and so forth. And the beautiful cherry on top is they own the insurance companies as well. So it's a complete, you know, three wow. three tiered monopolization. I would have never thought of that. Yeah. So when you're thinking that you're buying an authentic designer product, you know, when you go buy uh, a product. Uh, sunglasses you're thinking like the little Italian guy behind the desk in Italy yeah. Milan he's doing all these cool things and and he's really putting love in oh, but in reality what happened is uh, these the, uh, these manufacturers uh, went up to Prada and, and said hey listen we'll buy your name out and we'll give you a royalty just for using the name so you're not actually buying an authentic designer product you're just buying it from a mass-produced so they're just slapping on a brand onto this regular glasses and make you believe it's this awesome brand yeah and i mean this is um this is very common i guess you could say in the fashion industry however the eyewear industry is one of the the main industries that it really is you know the term you're only buying it for the name this is a true like this is a true this is the true representation of that strictly you could go to the manufacturers and you'll see you know one conveyor belt has ray-ban the other one has prada the other one has chanel and the only difference is they're painting one blue, the only one red, and the only one purple. Jeez. All right. So the the idea was simple: is to um, provide authenticity to an unauthentic market, while providing also uh, the best value, obviously, to the consumer. Give them their money's worth, the best quality and value to the consumer, while also providing a social impact. So tell me, you had this idea to do this actual brand, this good pair of glasses that's not fake, not just slapping a name on it. Mm-hmm. Where did you get started when you had this idea? How did, where'd you even begin? And that's amazing. That's an amazing question because like, where do you start? Like, yeah, yeah I'm going to do where, this, where right? Where do you begin? Yeah, As yeah. an inventor, it's like, how do you produce that 
tangible product? Yeah, so that's a great question. Well, you know what? What I like to tell people is like, the internet is the ultimate equalizer. Right? <laughs> yeah. It really is. You have you have so much power with the internet. So it starts with Google. How do you make Google sunglasses? Everything. Yeah. How do you make sunglasses? And then you really learn. You know, it, it, there it's a really it's a true monopolization, and they've definitely built up enough of a border for you to enter. You know, so a guy with the idea, it, it it's not going to just happen overnight. So, you know, my biggest thing is I had this idea. I was going to bring authenticity to an authentic market by working with, um, you know, artists, right? Because w what is the most authentic people out there? Artists. You know, exactly. artists are, you know, they're one of a kind. Everything they produce is authentic and real. So it was natural for me to just want to team up with them and, and to produce in collaboration with them while obviously solving a social problem as well. Um, but it started Google, you know. It was my senior year. Uh, I said I wanted to do this. I wanted to create it. So after understanding it, I said, uh, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to make a full plunge. So I left Iowa, University of Iowa, went to Chicago. Um, uh, me and my partner at the time received a small seed investment uh, of 20 grand. And we, we started manufacturing in China. Uh, that is, and after manufacturing in China, we learned that was our first mistake, and it was our first kind of run at yeah. what we want to do. And we realized that we're no better than them if, <laughs> and we're still producing, exactly. you know, these products made in China or whatever it is. And but we had to do something. It was our first step. You know, we wanted to just get the message out there and kind of learn the ropes. So it was a small kind of beta test, if you will. And then after like six months of living in Chicago, we learned very soon. Um, the, the trials and tribulations associated with entrepreneurship um, and uh, you know we that's when I and we ended up splitting my email partner and that's when I really learned that you just can't jump into something without really knowing or understanding the industry yeah so I was really put in a position I was like I either stop now I either let this thing go um, you know or I, I build it uh, yeah, I build it to the vision I always, I always really wanted it and always envisioned it to be. Right, I had this vision for this. I knew it wasn't there, but I, I knew that if I really wanted to, be, that was my opportunity. We started from ground zero, pretty much. The company didn't go. It's a lot of variables. We didn't understand it. Um, so then I spent the next three years, four years now, um, really developing building, it. developing that vision. So I uh, started from scratch. Uh, it was my company at that time, and. Uh, um, you know, I, I got full ownership of it. Uh, I paid back my initial investor by bartending and serving and doing anything I, I possibly could to pay him back. And in doing so, I really said, okay, what are the three fundamentals of the industry? It's the lifestyle aspect, the influencers, the designer. You know, I was a pre-dentistry. so much in this I was a pre I was a dental major, right? I always had a, always had a liking and... Um, towards fashion and design and architecture and and my mother you know not being a practicing doctor she did architecture so and then my um you know i saw other family members and relatives that were in the architecture so i was always really fascinated by architecture and obviously going to greece you at 18 years old this exactly. was two years you saw the beauty in the architecture and the, and everything and what it truly meant and everything that greece encompassed and and, and the beauty it had it was um it was always something that I took a liking towards. So I knew I wanted to create something that was going to be truly different. So not having that background, that's what I did. I, uh, I, I basically said I have to learn uh, what it's going to look like. So uh, that's exactly what I did. Um, we are... So what I did is I said I need to understand the industry. So exactly. I, like I said, I was 
bartending, I was serving at all the biggest places in Chicago. I was trying to influence and get myself into any fashion show, any... Um, uh, and you were bootstrapping this oh, company. For well, me. well, I was paying back my investor, and I was said I'm gonna pay him back while yeah. learning. So I basically went into learning mode. I I said I have to if I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do it right, and I have to yeah. learn right, just like anything else. So what I did is uh, I actually started working with a suit company, and the suit company is called JTOR. We had the opportunity to attend a fashion show. After the fashion show, I fell in love with their suits. It was like one of the best, most beautiful suits I've ever seen. The guy was uh, from Singapore, British accent, and uh, you know, and his whole team was just, you know, they were ready to go. They were a startup in Chicago. Um, not in the traditional sense, but they were starting a company and they were doing something different. And I was really, I was really infatuated with that. And I just went up to him after and I said, listen, I know nothing about this industry. Um, and I absolutely loved your suits. Like I was infatuated with the suits. I said, can I intern or do something for you? Or just, I don't care what it is. Learn from him, work yeah. with him. And he was a little standoff. I'm a Greek guy. I'm a kissy, huggy kind of guy. And yeah. he's like this British, you know, uh, you know, he's very standoffish. And he's like, oh, what is this, you know, what is this guy up to? But after four months of just pestering him, I was like, let me, whatever it takes, just let me do it. I'll drive you around. I'll recruit. I'll do anything. Just let me get involved. After three months, um, you know, I basically, he didn't want to, uh, he was being really resistant, so I, then I just started referring people to um, buy suits and to buy a uh, to buy shirts or to buy his products. But after making some See, sales, you were help you were promoting him, promoting and, him, and, and I work with him. Like anything, and that's the biggest thing with uh, money talk. So you know, I was making the money. So yeah. then he started to listen, um, and then he gave me a shot. And then I basically for a year, uh, you know, I was not a full member, but anytime they need anything from recruiting models to helping yeah. out events or, you know, for me, it was just, I basically said I did as an entrepreneur and I really appreciate that now is, you know, they don't have time to guide you and to say intern, do that or this and that, like they're worried about keeping the thing alive and to build it themselves. So I basically said, just call me when you need me. Um, yeah. sometimes they didn't call me, sometimes they did. Uh, but I followed along. I saw everything they did. I, I kept promoting their product and, and, and and seeing that what my contributions and how far that could actually go. And granted, this is in conjunction with bartending and still keeping Ellison alive. And I was taking, I still had, I, I had a car after my, my partner left, my founder left. I had a car full of sunglasses. That's all I had. Yeah. Uh, you know, and when I used to go to all these little fashion shows and, 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 and still tell my story and what I was doing with Ellison and learn and actually push it. Uh, but I was also attaching myself with other organizations a little further along, like JTOR, um, to, to learn what they're doing and how they're doing it, right? So um, I tried positioning myself and getting as many friends as possible within that You were getting a lot of networking, oh, yeah. especially oh, yeah. in that field, too. Oh, yeah. So I was learning a lot about the suit company. I was basically learning how to make a three to $5,000 suit. More importantly, how to sell a three to $5,000 yes. suit, right? So they were selling this experience and luxury and everything. And it was just, and, and people were buying and they were doing really well. Um, so they got me involved, and um, during this time, I was really building up the concept and whatnot and um, building it up to uh, really understanding what the next step of Ellison was going to be, what I truly envisioned Ellison to be. Um, and it actually, and, and during this time, when I met my father at 18, every year we went there for four months, so I started now meeting my father. We started spending a lot more time in Greece. So I was spending you know, sometimes five months or you know, sometimes six months, half the year in Greece, um, it really just all depended, you know, we would spend all the summer, like so three months of the summer, then the winters, we'd go there for a month and stuff, stuff of that nature. And then one off weeks every now and then, every time yeah. I could, you know, Thanksgiving, whatever it is. Um, so 
on my way to Greece, uh, and this I know it sounds like I'm jumping between three years, but this is like literally one year. So, yeah. so I literally 20 years old, dropped out. Then six months into it, I we, me and my partner he split. He uh, he had left. Then it was put in a predicament where uh, I was left with either starting all over doing something else or to, to really build else into what I truly believed it could be. Um, and th- then I got a job bartending, obviously serving. Uh, then I started doing, uh, started working with a J tour. Um, then actually my brother was starting a company himself, a couple, I come from a seven brothers. So they had a couple or things going on themselves where I was working with them. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, I was actually on my way to Greece and I met with a, an economist and, um, he was sitting right next to me. And we talked, the trip to Greece is like 14 hours or something of that nature. And um, he said, he was an economist, and we were just talking about life and the economy and, you know, everything. And um, I told him my story, what I was doing. And at the end of the trip, we talked for eight hours straight. And I gave him my personal pair of sunglasses. Yeah. And I gave, put it in a case, and I gave him a card. And I said, keep it, let's keep it Dutch. And um, so he took that. And I don't know if they do it anymore on Facebook, but three years ago they did. And you know how you could like suggest a friend or something? Yep. Okay. I remember that. So yeah. What he did, like two years, two days later, uh, I got a random one in Greece, um, and I got a suggestion, and it says Angelo, his name was, is suggest a friend, Greg Pappas, and this guy, Greg Pappas, is one of probably the largest connectors in the Greek community, probably in the world. Um, I'm sure this is probably over exaggeration, but he just knows everybody uh, in the Greek community. And he runs a organization and a foundation called the Greek America Foundation. And what it basically does, it preserves the Greek heritage, uh, promotes the Greek heritage and connects all of the most affluent and, and prominent Greeks in the world. Uh, uh, to get them together to help other uh, Greek causes and whatnot. Support the culture. Uh, yeah, yeah, and now the Greek causes, uh, organizations, and not just, it's not limited to Greece, they do everything, right? So they, they it's, a, or it's an amazing foundation. But anyways, he says that you should meet this guy. So Greg and I um, became friends. And um, as you know, I'm very active on social media, so yeah. always telling my story, always trying to... You have to. Always reaching out, always, you know, putting my, my life, uh, not my life, but my story on the line, if you will, which is my life, so I guess it, it goes to... <laughs> your uh, business is yeah, your life. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, and like a week after, Greg messaged me, and he says, uh, you know, hey, I've been watching you, and, and uh, you know, wh- where do you live? And uh, I'm sure, you know, my social media can be deceiving sometimes. But as I'm from Chicago, I live in Chicago. He's a guy that lives in Chicago. So we met up for a coffee. And um, just like I did to um, Javesh, what's his name, the guy from JTOR. As I went over, I was like, teach me everything. He told me, he's like, I'm a connector, and that's what I do. And I travel, and I help start so many people, and I help people. And it was just his story was amazing. Um, to this day, he's one of my best friends and my mentors. Um, I told him my story and he says, how can I help? And I just said, I just want to learn everything. Just, I'm a sponge, take me in everything. Let me do everything. I don't care if it's get your laundry to walk your dogs to setting up, you know, getting what it doesn't matter. I just let me do everything. Let me just be next to you and see everything. So very much like him, I never really asked for anything. I just said, let me help. And I always left it up to them to tell me yeah. like a little brother, like you, you, you need to be here in 10 minutes. I always left myself open to at their disposal you know it's one of the things like i said i appreciate now is like interns they want a structure and a plan and they want this and that. Yeah. in a startup there is no plan or structure or anything it's just 
be there and, and help out where you see you could help exactly. out where you could help create find value to create them. value yourself you know and um and that's what I did, and I did that. So for I did this for about two years since I I, I decided that um, when my my me and my initial founder split, I did it for two years as serving bartending, Greek American Foundation, J Tour, working yeah. and helping out and, and contributing to any one of my brother's startups, um, learning and and just doing everything I possibly can. Um, during this time. Uh, I, uh, so that was like, that was in the first year, crazy stuff, right? The second yeah. year, after the first year, I went to this event and, um, I said I needed to rebuild the team, right? So I rebuilt the team, got some people to kind of get behind me to start help me conceptualizing Ellison and what it is and how we could get to the next level. I, uh, went and attended this show. It was a fashion show and it was, um, Where was it, this at? uh, in Chicago. Okay. Um, and just so everybody knows, this is all within two years. I know it sounds like ah, oh, but literally I was doing ten things at once, uh, to, to get this. Mean, yeah, to, yeah, yeah, to this ten things. I was I was working as many. I was doing everything. Um, so during this time, I still had Ellison going, and I was still you know I was you know and I'll, I'll jump around a little bit, but it, I uh, went to this fashion show and I gave Ellison as a sign on auction. So I want to say, and there's someone there that actually worked at the Hollywood Bowl. Yeah. And with the Hollywood Bowl is this big thing in California where they have uh, all the celebrities come and they sing and it's just one big thing. Um, it's huge. And the person saw my product and they said, who's the, you know, who's the founder or whatever. And I exactly. happened to, and I happened to be there. And then we got to talking. She's like, I love what you're doing. And granted, this is still the Chinese made product, whatever. It's still very, yeah. but, I didn't have money to start something else new. I was just learning how far the power of a story. Exactly. Right? So then I, um, we got to talking and she says, I want to, um, I want you to gift all the celebrities. So I was at this fashion show and she's like, uh, we're going to fly you out to California and you're going to be in she the She paid for you? Uh, she gave us, she paid some of it. Okay. Uh, but we also bootstrapped and, yeah. you know, I had to do a couple things to get out there, but she, um, she gave us an opportunity to go out there and we sat in backstage before the celebrities went out and gifted them celebrities. There was only three companies chosen. I forgot the one company, but all I remember is right next to our little stand was Ludacris just came out with, it's called a Soul Beats. Like this is when all the beats, Drake yeah. Beats and all that stuff came out. So he started his own thing. So it was like Soul Beats and Ellison. So we, we were like, oh my God, like we were the two that got, you know. Talk so, about awesome, man. Yeah, so we were sitting there and um, their reps were doing their thing and our we were doing our thing and uh, we Mario Lopez, Carolina, the Frey, Kelly Clarkson. Um, they were all there. They were, uh, that's just I, you know, it's been so long. But uh, Kathy Griffin, uh, we've had like you know it was all of them were there, right? We had probably 10, 15 celebrities. Oh, the real housewives. Um, yeah, we had uh, you know I remember actually I don't know if you ever watched like I think it's Real Housewives of that uh, would be funny if she actually hears this. Real Housewives of uh, Beverly Hills. Uh, I yeah. remember Gretchen, uh, Gretchen, and her, yeah. her boyfriend Slade was getting a little jealous because she was hanging around us, oh, and, uh, and she was like flirting with us and whatnot. She's That's like, so I, funny. She's like, he's like, get away from those models. Uh, <laughs> but um, so the, these celebrities were wearing your glass, like you were giving yeah, glasses yeah, out to them. Yeah, and I didn't have a company. I, I was that running, is awesome. I was running this company out of my backpack, no, nothing, literally. And, uh, that's you know, how you get started though man. yeah and then what happened after is we got an article and they called it and they said the Chicago kid 
Right, so, so a lot of my buddies back home when I got back, they kept calling me the kid, and it's kind of like a nickname that my buddies call me now. But they said the Chicago kid, like something L.A. or something. And then we ended up in Lifestyle Magazine. Uh, and it said one of the headliners was Elson Sunglasses, Mario Lopez dancing in Elson Sunglasses. So it was really cool. And we came back, and I was like... That's some good publicity. Mm-hmm. After uh, a year, I was like, you know, I'm running this thing on my backpack. Everything is... I just knew that this thing was alive. Right. I knew that there was a lot of potential. There was potential in it. And that's when I really knew myself that I needed to really follow that. I made the right decision to build it and to really follow my dreams and um, stuff like that doesn't happen. But, you know, the best way I like to to really describe it is, you know, the Justin Bieber and uh, Usher story. I don't know if people if you know about it, but just uh, Justin Bieber was on the streets, I think, in Toronto or Canada or somewhere where he's uh, where he resides and um, he was sitting on the streets he always played on the streets he always did that whole sidewalk thing and Usher one day either walked by or heard his YouTube video or something and then picked him up right but Justin Bieber went and he played his soul out every day and he played as if he was in front of Madison Square Garden and that, as an entrepreneur you have to do that right you have to, you have to that it's, way. it's like telling your family guys I'm going to go play on the side of the street today because today's my day. And your family, your friends, and everybody's going to think you're crazy because they get off the street, you bum. But not only do you have to go on that street and play, but you have to play to the best performance because there is that time that that usher is going to pick you up or that usher or whatever. I know it might be a silly kind of... um, No, you got to take every aspect if it's your last or if it's on the line. Yeah, and you just have to play it your best, even if, even if... you are not on state a real stage. Yeah. Right? Because opportunity will come. It's just are you ready to present or to grab that yes. opportunity? So that's the way I look at it and that's why I look at kind of my, you know, I didn't have a company. I it was a, me, a kid with a backpack full of sunglasses and a story and I just went and I basically told as many people as possible and I put myself in a position to tell my story. Either to learn, to revise, to reiterate, um, whatever it was, you just had to put you in a position to grab an opportunity because opportunity will come. It's just, are you there? You throw enough darts, you're going to hit a bullseye once in a while. Yeah. So tell me, how did you scale your business? You were at the point where you're selling out of your backpack. How did you get it to the point where you are now with selling on a large scale and being in stores? Tell me the level you're at now. I mean, selling all kinds of countries. Yeah. So during this time, um, who is now my co-founder, I met a guy in college. Uh, his name is Ravi Patel. He's a really prominent investor and entrepreneur in the Midwest and throughout the country, but more more, uh, more specifically in the Midwest. Yes. Uh, he grew his family company, a hotel company, to one of the largest privately owned comp- uh, hotel companies in the country. Um, just really, really amazing guy, young guy, and he's he's done so much. He uh, saw the activity. And, um, you know, and after two years of, of me doing all this stuff, he just, and this is when he grew his family's company to a point where it was, where it was, um, it was sustainable. I don't know. I don't want to use the wrong term, but it, it, he grew his family company enough yeah. where he wanted to be a part and start giving back to the community, uh, with his time and his, and making he, a big impact and being a, a mentor and advisor yeah. and help others try and create something as well. 
So he, so he's really what I like to consider. Got that uh, he has always been an entrepreneur, and he used his talents to grow his family's company. And then he was excited to start helping others grow their company. That's awesome. So he called me out of the blue, and he said that um, you know he he really enjoyed and liked what I was doing, and uh, wanted to get involved. So I told him a little bit. Hey, listen, it's a little prettier on Facebook, but uh, here's the real deal, and uh, <laughs> and uh, you know this is what it looks like. And um, you know he, he said he loved it. He wanted to help me get to where I wanted to go so we both teamed up and um and uh we said okay we're gonna do it and he uh was my first investor or second investor so at that point I had a little bit of time and a little bit of money to really start building the new right because we make it scale yeah not scale but really at the first two years three years is really understanding me to become the entrepreneur I really wanted to become. So yeah. through the Greek America Foundation, I really the first thing I said to Greg when I met him is like, listen, I really want to want to understand how you connect a community with a cause because that's something Greg is amazing at, right? He connects all these people from all over the world to get to a cause and to donate and to be a part of it and to to solve some of the, the world's largest problems. And that is something I was infatuated with. So Jay Tor and some of the other fashion startups, I just want to learn the creation of a fashion, the brand, the lifestyle, how to create a quality product. And that's what I learned from them. And then the hustle and also through the through just the Chicago scene right it's a big city and you're learning yeah. and you're getting in these places and you're learning how to hustle how to talk how to how to meet and greet and all these people it really developed me from where I was in college to really I was confident at that point that I could start I could really do this right um, but then I really decided that I still needed a product and I was not gonna go to China right so naturally I thought Greece all right Why I was not? like if we're making sunglasses, why not go to the sunniest place on earth, right? Two, yeah. Over 2,000 beaches. Sunny. That builds to the story. <laughs> yeah, 365 and the beauty, the culture, everything that Greece has to offer. And um, uh, I spent, you know, saying I really wanted to build this in Greece and bring a product to the American market that hasn't been brought, a Greek product, a handmade product. So I um, spent the next two years, two and a half years in and out of Greece and Italy. Um, so I was, I was still coming, I was working yeah. uh, in Chicago, I was still being involved as much as possible, but I really had to understand international trade, manufacturing, product development, product design, all these different things, and the only way to learn that is to do it. So is I met, that the truth? <laughs> yeah, so I met these two brothers in Greece, a mom and pop shop, and uh, they built their own family company in Greece. They're doing it, they're doing it right. Um, beautiful, beautiful where, uh, facilities and um, they had, it's a small team, right? Like 20, 30 people, all family, cousins, and yeah. it's a family run thing. So it was just, it was everything I could ever envision and in, 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 in who I wanted my partners to be. And not only that, but they believed in what I was doing. And so it, I didn't look for people to manufacture my product, I looked for partners. And they became my, you know, we became a family. We became a unit because I believe that when you're making a product, you have to make it with love. And I know it sounds cliche, but like I really wanted them to care about what I was doing. And uh, not to knock on other manufacturers from other countries, but they just do it to, for the paycheck. Uh, and I really wanted to create something different. And I really wanted them to something care. Something meaningful. And I really wanted them to care for, as much as I cared. And um, they, you know, when I met them, we talked. And, and like I said, I... Uh, we, we, I was sleeping at their house after the first night, you know what I mean? We were going out to dinner, and they became like my mentors and my brothers. They've been doing this for 30 years, and we really did spend a lot of time understanding. They, we went to all the biggest trade shows in Europe. I was really understanding the trends, the design, the yeah. product, and I was helping them make manufacture the, some of the other lines. So I was really becoming familiar with all that, and, and I wanted to understand because that's the, that's the problem of what happened at first is I didn't understand, and that's why I made it 
that's why I made it a point to, to grow personally, to, to get myself to a point that I can relaunch all of a sudden and, be, and, and really know how to you know, scale it or to build yeah. it as it is today. So that was all. So that was like between 2011 and 2014. So it was about 2010, then I left school, then 2011, I really, that's what, it was like three years of development. So All tell right. me, when you, when you took her to market and you launched it, what was your strategy to take it in the boutiques to the, the, what was your strategy to market to get this thing on a large level right away? Well, you don't really have, and considering the monopolization of the industry, it's yeah. really hard to really have a, a go-to-market strategy. But in the three years, I was planting seeds. You know, we had some, we had some contracts that we had developed saying we're going to be in the market soon. This is what we're going to be doing. Yeah, I got people excited. I was, I was, I was planting all the seeds because I know when I when I press go, I really wanted to go. But. Um, yeah, we just basically had a couple contracts that, you know, a couple uh, chain boutiques wanted to carry their product. Yeah. Um, and then, so we were going to do that and then kind of feed off that and build off that and, and grow. So in July 2014, um, when we launched, the day after all those contracts failed or they, they dropped or they didn't go through. So we were there wow. and we launched and I had to start from scratch again. Um, so we, uh, we just... I did what I knew best, right? Still out of my backpack and go hit the ground running again. And, you know, I built the company before and uh, I could do it again. So we just literally have been hustling and bustling, sharing that story, door knocking, cold calling, emailing. Um, and we've been blessed to to have people believe in what we're doing just as much as we do. And, uh, you, know, we're, we're, you know, we're just growing. We're just pushing and, and sharing that story still. And... Um, and, and you know, and really, getting people to uh, to join in what we're doing. So the people that do join in with us, they really truly believe. That's the thing with Allison, uh, the Allison, I guess you could say consumer, yeah, uh, or the retailer, or anybody that becomes a part of Allison. They, the people that do, they truly believe in what we're doing. After talking to you, I, I didn't really have any idea about the the glasses industry and what it consisted of. Well, you opened my eyes of how it works and you embraced your story and I always say a story is what sells people buy your story and not only do you have a good story but you have a legitimate item you have a premium product to sell on the market so right there I mean I I think it's awesome what you're doing I believe in what you're doing I think it's great and anybody out there listening really they, they need to buy your product because it's awesome and your story is I mean, one in a million. So tell me where you're at now. What have been the biggest lessons you have learned over the past, you're five years in now? Uh, yeah. So five years all in all from ideation to where we are now. Because a lot has changed and things change. When you start, you have a vision of where it's going to go, but it's like a bumpy road. You don't know Absolutely. where it's going to go, but... You're going to eventually get there. What have you learned over the past five years? What have been your big failures? How did you overcome them? And what did you learn overall to get to this point? I learned a lot about, you know, it's no one is going to understand your vision and your dream as much as you are. And you can't, oh, ex and you can't expect other people to understand your vision and your dream as much as you. 
So you have to be true to yourself and to keep working because, you know, the biggest people that were against there were the people closest to me. You know what I mean? And the people that, that you know, wanted to get on that, uh, go down that path that you sometimes don't have it in them. You know, not everybody's an entrepreneur. Um, and when things get ugly, it's, uh, you know, people dip out. So I guess the biggest thing is really understand who you're, you're, who you're going to war with yeah. and making sure that they could stick out that war with you or realizing, you know, if you can do it by yourself and, um, you know, how far you can go doing it by yourself, right? Because I've had people next to me that, um, that, that haven't been able to make it through the end game and we still have a long way to go. It's, it's not easy. Nothing is easy. And a lot of people think that it's the shark tank thing where they get on, you know, you have an idea, you make, you know, a little bit in sales and you get on, you get a Mark Cuban as a partner and everything's dandy. No, 90%, 99% of the entrepreneurs, they fail. And it's, and, and entrepreneurship is not the Snapchat, you know, where you get this and you get it and overnight it becomes with a Facebook. I mean, that's not, that's what's on TV and that's what's great because it gets people excited and want to make those risks, risks. But just understand that, you know, what I thought was going to be overnight took, I'm in my fifth year now. All right. And you lose a lot of friends, you lose a lot of relationships, you, you isolate yourself into, um, you know, you isolate yourself because you're the only one that understands, the only one that understands your vision and you're the only one that can execute on your vision, yeah. right? So it just one thing I would say that is believe in yourself. I know it's so cliche to say believe in yourself, but every time I doubt myself, I you're the only one that's going to make it happen. So if you're doubting yourself, you're doubting the dream, you're doubting the vision, you're doubting everything. So really just put yourself in a position um, and that goes back to Iowa, right? Uh, you know, yeah. Iowa is a great community that everybody helps you, and they they help you um, when you have those days. They help you say, you know, you can do it, right? And sometimes you need that. They don't. They, yeah. All you really need, and like my father said, that one person will believe in you, right? So literally, I mean, when everybody was saying no, my father was saying yes, and he it was not here. He was in Greece on the beach, five in a Corona, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, it, in the end, it's really you know. To, to, to have that one person to believe in you or a community that could help you because it's going to take longer. It's going to be a hell of a lot harder. You are going to lose relationships. You probably won't have a, a personal, like a, a, a girlfriend or a boyfriend, if that's what you're doing. And if you do, it's hard. I mean, yeah, your family's going to say you're crazy until you prove them otherwise. Um, you well, know, we are crazy. We are, yeah. Well, that's one thing. <laughs> I Make, mean, to live this lifestyle. Yeah, come so on. They, they always say, what is it for? Um, Alcohol is anonymous. Like admit you have a problem and then you could grow from the problem. So admit that you're crazy. So then when you actually realize you're crazy yeah. as an entrepreneur, you don't think you're, you know. So I realized a while ago I was a bit crazy. So that's, that's I made I made peace with that. Um, but, you know, you know, the crazy ones are the ones that change the world, right? So That's so true. And you're saying that 99% that fail. Well, as an entrepreneur, you're out there to make that 1%. And, you know, I could still fail. You know what I mean? There's people yeah. that have gotten, um, you know, I still, you know, when, I don't know how to put this, because I've met so many people in my time, right? You've, I've heard a story, and you even told me a story earlier. Like, there's a guy, they're, they're making millions, and overnight, you know, lose there's, it all. Lose it all. There's a person, it's Fab, one of the largest, they, it's called Fab.com, one of the largest uh, internet bus of all times. They raised, I don't know, 
don't you know google it but fab.com and you'll hear all about it the guy raised like a quarter billion dollars and lost it all he raised quarter billion dollars and sold the company for 10 million i mean oh. it's one of the biggest internet busts in the world and of our, of our time so there's like you never really made it right so you yeah. as an entrepreneur like the job is never done you're always growing you're always growing you're always growing um so i would say that you know all you could do is continue to push forward, have a good community around you, make sure that the people next to you are the right people that are going to help you go through war. Consider it war. I mean, you're going to go to war, so make sure that these soldiers are going to be ready to go to war with you uh, because them backing out right when you guys are about to hit the other team is not the time where they back out and it's ready too late, right? Because then yeah. you know, you're know you setting up yourself for failure. Um, you know, And that's actually a great analogy. It's like you're going to war, it's a five-on-five fight, right? And then right between the... By, Right before you both all both both teams clash, four people on your team just decide to back out. So then you're fighting five people, and it's very unlikely there is that. Yeah, there is that. Uh, the, yeah, there is that uh, one Bruce Lee that's going to kick all the guys. That's the one percent, the guy that's actually going to kick all their butts, and uh, you know stand there victorious. But that's like an entrepreneur. So make sure when you go to war, you're smart and you know who you're going to war with. Um, first off, make sure that the guys don't have guns and you have swords. You know what I mean. <laughs> Um, but and make sure you have a team that could fight the fight with you or you're going to be going to war by yourself. No, that's so true. And that kind of goes back to the having mastermind group surrounding yourself with people that you can trust and people that can bring you up that are smarter than you, that have areas of expertise that you don't have as an entrepreneur Absolutely. to better yourself and your team. So tell me, Aristotle, where are you guys at now with, uh, with your company, what is your vision? Where do you see it going here in the next five years? And I always, I, I try not to be too overly visionary, you know, and whatnot. I, I obviously have high hopes um, with everything that we're doing. I know we're doing great. The team that we have is amazing. Yeah. The people in the community, you know, we've gotten to the point now where we have a good team around us. We have uh, a good community around us. Uh, we have a good, the people that believe in us really do believe in us. So, our, our goal is just to continue to continue growing that, to expand uh, the artist community that we work with, to continue to uh, provide um, our contributions to preventable blindness, and to continue to grow, right, and grow with the right people because there is a, it's really true that you could grow too fast. So it's really just to grow organically, grow right, and um, continue to um, make an impact in every way. That's awesome. Last couple questions before we go here. First off, what would be your top three books you would suggest to other entrepreneurs out there? Oh, wow. So I actually used to be a big bookie, and I might have to get back to you on this because I don't want to butcher their names. Um, and you the, titles, if you know the titles. Let me uh, ask, as you say that, um, ask me that other question so I could go back because I actually okay. have my podcast right here. I think I, ha I have it. Okay. The, the next one we'll go to is, what are your top three tips for other young entrepreneurs? Top three tips for young entrepreneurs. Um, fail fast. Uh, Amen to know, that. Pivot quickly. Yes. Um, and if you can't outsmart them, just outwork them. That's it. I mean, pretty much. If you don't know what you're doing, just work harder than that other person. Because they're always, always going to be someone smarter. But there's, it's very rare that somebody could outwork you. 
and in my industry, I just know I could outwork them. So I know that I you clearly know, see that. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what it, it that's what it really means. Um, hard hard work beats talent every time. Yeah, absolutely. So I just uh, I outwork them, um, and there's there's a couple great books that I've been pushed along at. Uh, we might have to have you add that in the little text thing. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that's You put all me right. on the spot there. It's been a long day, but um, there's yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to mislead. But there's there's been there's for the context of this. There's so many different books that I, I, I lean towards for different inspirations. Um, but What's the key takeaway? I mean, so like I've li- I, because I could tell you from my experience, if you're gonna ask me my top three books, well, my go-to one is by Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. But what I take away is whatever you want in life, you have to believe in yourself. And the only limitations you have are the ones you set up in your mind. So if you want something, you have to believe in it. You have to focus on it. You have to have the passion, just like you said. You have to love what you do and believe in it and just go forward. Don't be afraid what people say. Yeah, and um, I, I, so there's like, um, so I've I've been blessed, right? Because I haven't been a big reader growing up. And the last two years, uh, the mentors I've had um, kind of come we've, into we've my life. We've been actually yeah. listening to the same books. Yeah, yeah, so, some of the same books from the same mentors probably. Um, but yeah, they usually just say, they just say, listen to this. And I ended up uh, uh, just listening and not really knowing the brand or whatever, just kind of yeah. just listening to the podcast or reading the book. But I do, there's a couple good books um, that I read when I was younger. So this is from... Uh, the books I read now, they get handed to me, and uh, like I said, we'll, we'll illustrate some a couple good books that I've read recently. But um, the the two books that I read that I was really starting off, and uh, you know, and I just kind of wanted this is when I started to get uh, started having the more of the entrepreneurial kind of yeah. uh, ideas and thoughts and whatnot. Was um, it's called Rich Dad Poor Dad. Um, yes. so it's, it's a good book and you know, some people, I like, I, I, I have a lot of great books that I love to read and I take bits and pieces of them, but rich dad, poor dad, um, is a good one because it really shows you kind of the mentor, right? And it's a, basically a story between a kid being raised by his dad and he had this kind of rich friend or mentor or something. Yeah. And, and it really shows you the mentality and, and the influence of having a mentor. So this really goes back to finding good mentor. Um, and this is this would be a, it's a quick read and it really shows you between his dad um, uh, that worked was a factory worker or something and he did in the nine to five and, and he worked he worked hard all his life and the rich dad in the book is the one that works smarter and he taught him how to work smarter and whatnot and the other one is um, and this is you know I read it because uh, so many people and this guy's kind of the face of the entrepreneurship but Tim Ferriss 40 hour work week yep. um, you know what I mean he uh, he gets tips and tricks and he really talks about a whole bunch of things and this is for someone that kind of from my impression is for someone that's a little further along that's trying to open up their day um, as an entrepreneur you can't oh it's not 40 hour it's 4 hour work week 4 hour 4 yeah. hour work week um, and it's really getting, um, like just really, really, uh, think capi- yeah, yeah. Capitalizing on your time, think smarter, not harder, uh, and opening up your time. And I think four hour work week is really allowing you to take a 40 hour work week, which really means like a nine to five and figuring out how to become an entrepreneur. So if you're kind of in that nine to five, I think 40 hour work week could be good because it figures out a way of how to open up your time more to make a 40 hour work week four hours. And if you could accomplish that, then you have the more time and hopefully the, the cash flow to then start what your real dreams are. Exactly. And that's kind of what he did in that book. Last question. Who have been your mentors that have helped you achieve what you have achieved already? Oh, that's easy. My father, 
hands down, Greg Pappas from the Greek American Foundation, uh, Ravi Patel, my brother, the co-founder, um, just he is one of the biggest influences in my life. Mark Nolte here in uh, the Iowa City location runs ICAD. Um, my brothers, you know, they've yeah. led by examples. You know, they were the type of guys that they were never the guys that gave me the best advice. Uh, if you are their older brothers, right? You know, yeah. Uh, they went through their own trials and tribulations, uh, but they were my mentors, mentors indirectly. Um, just seeing them, they're so close in age, and what they've created has yeah. just always been. So my brothers have always been someone I sought after to emulate. Yeah. Um, and Mark and Ravi and Greg and my father, um, and I hope I didn't forget a couple other ones, but um, they, those are the people that kind of guided me through reason and wisdom and, um, yeah. you know, and talks and whatnot. So. so let's, before we go here, Aristotle, by the way, thank you. I want to acknowledge you for... It's very hard to find people that are genuine and not only are they in business to make money, but to create something great in life and have something that stands more for just the product. It stands for a movement. It stands for something awesome. And your product clearly does that. Where can people find your glasses? Where they can find your eyewear at? So we're actually in about, uh, we're in about 40 stores right now. Uh, internationally, Canada, Greece, uh, about 10 different states. Um, but as we continue to grow, the easiest place to get get them will be online. So you could go to Wear Ellison, as in W-E-A-R-E-L-L-I-S-O-N. So wearellison.com. And you also said that you are so good at picking out glasses for people yeah. I'm going to get some glasses for my girlfriend. Her birthday is coming up. You you tell me that you can find the right pair of glasses and she's going to like them. So I'm going to take you up on that. And after she gets them, I'm going to do a video to recap on your expertise, which I, I don't doubt you at all, yeah. my friend. So a lot of people say, and, uh, and I guess we'll recap on the conversation. He had asked me, uh, you know, Hey, I want to get one for my girlfriend, but I don't know what she'll like. I was like, show me a couple of Facebook pictures. I, I guarantee I could find something of her liking. You know, when you're doing this for five years, I've seen my products yeah. on over two to 3,000 faces. Um, it's an obsession. So now I, I got them to the point where I could look at someone and say, this is a product and this is what it will look good. So it's kind of, you know, I, I don't think uh, I'm confident to say it will. It doesn't say I'm always yeah. right, but uh, I'm pretty confident in my ability. Oh, I, I trust you, my friend. You know your stuff. <laughs> Well, hey, I appreciate you coming on the show, bud. Thank you so much. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much. Well, thank you guys for listening, and you know what time it is. It is time to go out there, create something great, and become unforgettable. Because life is too short not to. I'm Brendan Adams. Have a great day, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this show with Aristotle Loomis. I really enjoyed his story and how he shows you that if you keep pushing through, you eventually will see huge success. And he's done that. He's a true entrepreneur. And I believe in him. I believe in his story. And I believe in his product. His product is awesome. And now here's your time to get your own exclusive offer with Ellison Eyewear. Go to www.wearellison.com and pick out a pair of glasses that you like and put in the promo code meetellison that's meetellison m e e t 
E-L-L-I-S-O-N. Put in that promo code and get an exclusive offer for the people listening right now. You can check out even more about this show, our notes, and even pictures of me with my glasses, my girlfriend's glasses. He did actually get it right. She loved them. She was happy. It was a great present for her. But go to our notes, BrandonTAdams.com. All kinds of notes on the show. There's a video there. All kinds of stuff. So check that out. And if you haven't done so already, please go to my website and subscribe at BrandonTAdams.com. Now, I hope you all have a great 4th of July week. Have some fun. I'm back in Northeast Iowa. I'm delivering ice because I own an ice company. And what do you know, when it's a holiday weekend and it's hot, everybody wants ice. So while you're out there having fun, think of me. I'll be delivering ice and working hard. But I love what I do, so you know what? I'm not working a day in my life. That's it for today's show, and in the meantime, you know what time it is. Go out there, create something great, and become unforgettable, because life's too short not to. I'm Brandon Adams. Have a great day, everybody.